So as a prey animal, they have to be efficient with their energy output because if they were, I always say this as wasteful as we are, <laughs> um, that's a dead horse in the wild. So they, if they need to have the energy that if a predator came into their environment and they have to run for their lives for survival, right. they need to have those energy reserves. Right. So if they were spending all day depleting themselves and not managing that, that's a dead horse. Welcome to the Real Leadership Podcast. My name is Chris Obst. I've spent the last 25 years going deep with leaders on the real challenges they face, the stuff that keeps them up at night. Are you ready for raw and honest conversations and the reality that self-leadership and personal growth are the keys to you being the leader that you were meant to be? Welcome to the Real Leadership Podcast. I'm excited to have you with me today and I'm excited to be recording this remotely. Um, in a really idyllic location that hopefully some of you uh, will get to experience one day. I'm uh, sitting in a spacious cabin nestled amongst trees and mountains in the Hefley Creek Valley, just south of Sun Peaks, about 15 minutes south of Sun Peaks, British Columbia. And uh, this is a place that I've been coming to for about 18 months. Um, it's been a really a magical land and space for me for a number of reasons and uh, with me today joining me is is uh, someone who's become a friend and who is my coach um, in helping me partner with horses to help humans and we're going to we're going to dig into that but I'd love to introduce you to Hillary Schneider who's uh, she's an equine guided coach um, she's also the founder of the Epona Rise Retreat Center and the owner of this beautiful property and the keeper of the herd. So welcome, Hillary. Thank you for having me. It's so, it's so nice to be here. You and I have, have shared many meals on this exact table mm -hmm. in, in this lodge and many conversations. Um, so we're going to have another conversation today. And the only difference is uh, this time we've got a microphone in front of us. Yes, and I'm excited to share the horse journey with your listeners. Good, good. Mm -hmm. And I know, I know there's listeners that are kind of wondering what the heck is Chris doing with they're seeing some you know a little smattering on social media of me you know wearing plaid and, and <laughs> hanging out with horses and they're trying to figure out what is he doing up here and and as you know every once in a while I'm wondering what I'm doing because this is not my background and we had a we had a guest here this week who uh, declared that you know he was afraid of horses and mm -hmm. and I was like yeah me too 18 months ago I stood where you were kind of terrified of these 900 pound beasts and um you know something happened for me here and and you helped kind of coach me through it and um you know a switch got flipped and all mm -hmm. of a sudden uh you know I'm not afraid and I'm excited and energized about being here and so I, I think you and I have already talked about this Hillary we could probably talk for four hours. I mean, you could probably talk for 24 hours about this. And, <laughs> and so this will probably be a few podcasts in the making, but I thought for today, we could just talk about, you know, first of all, how we met, mm -hmm. uh, maybe, maybe the unique relationship we have. And, and then probably most importantly, like, why horses? Like what, what the, does your herd of horses offer mm -hmm. to humans and specifically the, the, my tribe, which is, you know, leaders and, and managers and organizations. So, um, do you remember the, the circumstances, circumstances under which we met? Yeah, we were um, introduced through a mutual colleague and um, during a, a point where we were developing a coach training program 
And I think that we had had a conversation actually talking about um, taking care of ourselves. And right. um, that's at that point where she's like, I have the perfect person who, like, this is his jam. And so I think she extended the invitation for you to come up, right. experience the horses, and then for us to meet and to see if there was some synergy in terms of what we wanted to include in that program and what you what you teach and coach. That's right. Right mm-hmm. now, I remember I had a PowerPoint. Yeah. You know, this is a pretty low technology environment. And, and for those of you that get to experience it, you'll see why. It's a beautiful place to unplug. But yeah, that, that TV behind me here uh, had a little PowerPoint and, and walked you through my, you know, standard 12 slides of managing energy. And yes. I, I could see the wheels turning for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then and then we went out to the field and, and you asked if I want to experience what, you know, what clients experience. And mm-hmm. This was uh, happening at a time in my life where I was going through a lot of personal change and, and transformation and was kind of stuck in a few areas. And um, obviously, I'll, I'll never forget the experience I had. And parts of it are a bit, um, not murky, but, you know, it's almost like, did I dream that or mm-hmm. did it happen? But what I do remember is being in that field with this herd of 20-something horses and getting really emotional mm-hmm. about a decision I had to make and then having this 900-pound animal come and just stand beside me mm-hmm. and share their energy with me. And next thing you know, I burst into tears and I'm feeling relieved and excited and energized and, you know, this almost like this divine intervention giving me clarity all happening at once. And you're just looking at me like, yeah, that's kind of what happens up yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, you know, you graciously let me recover and you know the the horses you know gave me the support I needed and and walking out I remember we took about 10 paces out of the pasture and you looked at me and said hey would you be interested in learning to do this work with your clients and I remember not even hesitating and Mm -hmm. just going yep yeah (laughs) I had no idea what I was (laughs) signing up for but that was really clear and Mm -hmm. and so you and I were just talking you know off air about this but what was it because I'm not a typical client of yours, no. and I guess we yeah. got to be careful what typical is. But totally, yeah, what yeah. what did you see? What prompted you in that moment to, you know, invite me into this mix? Yeah, well, I think um, I think it started a little bit with your PowerPoint because, as you said, as soon as you started talking about your energy management stuff, you know, I was like, this is a lot of what maybe in different language, but what you learn from horses, like the mm-hmm. horses really embody the concepts that you're talking about for people. So I thought that was a really interesting synergy. Mm. And then I think after seeing your, I think, experience with the horses, and yeah, everybody has a pretty profound experience, but I think there was just seeing, I think, the impact, and then also I think what you're passionate about teaching, Mm. there was sort of this click for me of like, this could be a really... um, interesting and also aligned addition to what you already teach and I think probably what we'll get in the podcast there's maybe this myth that you have to be a horse person to learn from horses for sure but I think a lot of what you teach people already or coach people around what you talk about is what we see embodied in a herd of horses Mm -hmm. and you talk a lot I think about embodiment and you see that with the herd on a much let's say grander scale. Right. Um, so there, so it was a combination of 
this kind of fits with what you teach. And mm -hmm. I think this could be really powerful medium and also seeing your response and experience and how impactful that was. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I'll never forget it. It mm -hmm. was, it was moving. And, and so, yeah, the piece around, I'm not a horse person, I think is a really important one. Um, because, you know, I had a story that horses were big and scary. Mm -hmm. You know, I always described them as big animal, no brakes and small brain. Mm -hmm. Like, give me a motorcycle. Cause I think I could probably stop <laughs> one of those if I had to. Right. And, and obviously that shifted for me. You've had hundreds of people, I'm assuming, mm -hmm. up here on the property, many of whom weren't horse people. Yeah. How do you how do you connect those dots or invite people over that bridge mm -hmm. that maybe are are curious or thinking that nah, I, I just can't see myself getting there because I, I'm not experienced or I'm afraid of horses? Like, mm -hmm. what, what's the the immediate invitation to that? Yeah. So I think there's, and also I would say it's the the way that I explain it is probably relevant to who I'm talking to. So I think in purpose of your work, right. Um, but horses, the way that I describe it is like, they're my medium or a medium of helping people around self-awareness, mm -hmm. personal responsibility, leadership, and you don't have to be a horse person to learn from a horse. Right. So, and then also when people say they're afraid of horses, like most of the time I say you should be, um, <laughs> cause it's a prey animal that's unpredictable and yeah, they can physically cause you harm. Right. Um, part of what we do here is we teach people how to safely be with horses. Mm. Um, but I can sort of unpack like, first of all, with horses different from another human. So when we're going, you know, when we're interested, let's say to work on ourselves or, in your work, like maybe a leader's coming to you because I need to be more efficient in my leadership or um, I, I need to figure out where the disconnect around my impact is and mm. I'm not quite sure where that is. Or a team's coming in, we have some dysfunction, we need to work on this dysfunction or your energy management. Right. And we're looking to um, another person to help us with that. The horses are just a mirror for us to see that dysfunction or imbalance or efficiency and with a horse you don't have to worry about agenda hmm. this person has an agenda for me or i'm paying this person so they're they need to tell me this right 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 um or a bias yeah or judgment and so with horses and this is also because they're a prey animal they're going to be reading and responding to the energy that we put out and so for humans for example like say a leader or someone that's in a room something happens we don't get the feedback right away. So maybe a day passes, a week passes, and we have no idea. Yeah. So it's very hard to make that correction right. or to understand where we need to make that correction. They wait for six months until right. someone does a 360 feedback That's right. or that tool. Yeah, and, yeah, and you're just yeah. like, so, but with a horse, you're going to get that feedback right in that moment. Hmm. It's pure. Um, you can see it. So it's really hard to deflect a horse. That's right. what I say to people, right? It's that's really hard to do. You can deflect a human. Right. We can sit here and I can give somebody feedback or coaching or whatever and they can deflect me. You can't deflect a horse. And I think that because it's a horse and you don't have to worry about the baggage that comes with another human, we also receive the feedback. We can actually see that, oh, I'm having this impact. Mm -hmm. And I think when we're able to see our impact and maybe where the disconnect of that or the inefficiency of it, then we can make corrections and receive the feedback so we can change. And so that's much easier to do with a horse 
than it is sometimes with another human. Yeah, that's that's yeah. really key piece. Yeah, that it's so their reaction to mm-hmm. our behavior mm-hmm. is so obvious. It's yes. palpable. Yeah, and it's not filtered by like their agenda, their ego, their status in yeah. your world. It's yes. like no, energetically, I'm feeling yeah. what you're putting out there. Yeah, and it's either working or it's not. Yeah. And and I know one of the one of the big things that that you've taught me here that I'm working with my clients on this idea of congruency. Mm-hmm. So when what horses because some people say or you know what are they 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 want us to be quiet they want Mm -hmm. us to they care if i have my phone out like we're looking for the the clues and you know one of the big things is is horses are looking for congruency in humans so can you talk a little bit about that and why it's important and how that translates to to leaders yeah so i think the thing to um also relate to humans is part of i think the so congruency basically means that our body language our energy intention is all matching So we're not being like, um, so I'm trying to think, so where I've seen maybe this show up with, let's say people that are in that leadership space, um, I'm being assertive and our body language is saying this, but our energy is saying something completely different. Right. And we don't know that. And so the horse is going to respond to that. Um, so congruency means it's like we're being honest and Mm. authentic with what we're feeling. And so again like you to your point of like when some well i'm afraid we'll just own that you're afraid mm-hmm. because then we're like owning how we're feeling and it's the same i think pe- people unconsciously pick up on this like yeah. when somebody's not being truthful yeah it's like something feels off it's like uncomfortable like something's going on over here i can't mm. exactly put my finger on it mm-hmm. so i think we can experience incongruency um i think the thing with humans though is sometimes we don't know where that is and we and we're disconnected with or not aware of that maybe our thoughts and our actions aren't lining up and so when you have an experience with the horse i think it really brings to the surface um you know my thoughts are doing one thing and my body and my energy is doing another and they're going to give you again that feedback instantly to show you that number one you're being incongruent Mm -hmm. so then you're oh and number two where the incongruency is and then you have an opportunity to feel what it feels like to be congruent and it's like oh this is what this feels like and i think sometimes what comes up around that is vulnerability you know like then that means we have to be transparent and talk about maybe things we're feeling insecure about and we don't realize um whether we're acknowledging our insecurity or not it's still existing in the space right yeah people people can feel it and it's interesting you know I'm, i'm listening to the words you're saying like transparency and vulnerability Mm -hmm. and authenticity and if i was to 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 capture you know five of the top i hate to call them buzzwords but Mm -hmm. but in leadership and Mm -hmm. and and leadership development those three are really key right now and and a lot of the time i'm spending with my executive coaching clients and and leaders and organizations is about being okay Mm -hmm. with showing these things that historically Mm -hmm. male or female Mm -hmm. we've we've been conditioned to hide things like vulnerability and um people are they are interested in authentic leadership and so what i'm hearing you say and what i'm experiencing with the herd is Mm -hmm. that they respond really well to that authenticity you and i had an experience yesterday you were taking me through an exercise with with jet and Mm -hmm. and you know this is a horse that typically is quite assertive in his energy Mm -hmm. can be a bit of a bully Mm -hmm. um you know sort of a higher energy and i came into the the ring where we exercise with him and 
with this sort of agenda that I had to be big. Mm -hmm. Like I had to bring up my energy mm -hmm. to get this horse moving. And mm -hmm. one of the things that, that you've been coaching me around is just developing my own range, mm -hmm. my, my range of leadership from, you know, the most gentlest nurturing yep. energy that I have yep. to the biggest, most assertive energy mm -hmm. I have. And, and there's been horses in this herd that have taught me that a, that, you know, that I have that and to own that whole range and, mm -hmm. and to develop it. And, mm -hmm. and what we were practicing yesterday was me actually tapping into some of the subtleties. Mm -hmm. So instead of thinking of both ends of the spectrum, and it's, it's funny when I think about uh, describing the work that I do coaching, I often tell a story of the polarizing. Well, usually leaders are too hard on people and yeah. I'm working on them, work, working with them to soften up. Yeah. Or I'm working with leaders that are, they're actually too soft with people yeah. and I'm working them. And I, I'm always thinking about the two ends of the spectrum. Yeah. And what we got to experience yesterday was the subtlety of, well, sometimes you got to play in between, yeah. which doesn't mean you're dumbed down to the middle. Yeah. It just means that's the energy that that horse needs from you is a little bit of a subtlety. And, yeah. you know, I, I was struggling at first and then you gave me some corrections. We had a chat about it. And then I was able to feel that subtlety mm -hmm. and he responded immediately. And mm -hmm. I think... That's the thing. I'm, I'm trying my best here to articulate it in a podcast. And when you feel it, mm -hmm. like it's so clear mm -hmm. and palpable um, that the feedback's immediate. Yeah. Whereas if I was a leader and I was practicing this subtle kind of energy, I'm, I'm a little nurturing, but I'm a little bit assertive. Mm -hmm. What I notice in my team, what I notice that right. immediate feedback. Right. Now, over time, they would respond and appreciate it. Yeah but I don't get it in 30 seconds like we do in the field. So yeah. that's that's one of those amazing yeah. opportunities, I guess, that we have here. Yeah, and I think another one, too, um, that you kind of pointed in, especially around vulnerability and transparency, I think our conditioning and, and I think, to be frank, our experience when we are that is sometimes we're attacked for that. Mm -hmm. So when somebody's building that muscle of vulnerability or range, and it feels vulnerable, like I'm not quite sure what this is, to say, well, just go out into your environment with other humans mm -hmm. and and try this out. That feels kind of scary because sometimes we also project our own judgment onto that. Right. With horses, you don't have to worry about being judged. Mm -hmm. And so for somebody that is trying something on for the first time or okay, let me lean into my vulnerability right now. With horses, you don't have to worry about how they're going to react to that. Am I going to get attacked? Is this person going to judge me? Are they going to think less of me? Are they going to use this as a weapon against me? You just get a very pure environment that I think when somebody's building muscle or confidence, mm -hmm. it's a very safe place to do that. And if you think of yourself, it's like, I can be a bit messy with a horse <laughs> because they're okay with that. Like, I don't have to worry about how that's going to be received. And then I can take that learning back into a human environment knowing, oh, I know what this feels like and right. I feel solid in it. So I think that's another why horses. Yeah. Because it's not, we don't, we're not always in an environment that's conducive to being a messy human. Right. It's yeah. A, yeah it's, a, it's a safe play to place to practice. Yeah. It, you, I just had a, a visual for those of you that are, you know, learning forever to play golf like me is like you're on the practice range and you're mm -hmm. hitting some balls and you know mm -hmm. what, you can hit four, four in the woods uh, and you're, you're okay. Whereas mm -hmm. if you do it on the golf course, it kind of ruins your day. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's, it's amazing practice field. 
Um, one of the other topics that, that again you and I will we could we could really light this one up for hours is this this connection between horses and how they live in energy management. Mm-hmm. So you know you know and, and my listeners know that's a passion area for me that mm-hmm. I'm you know it showed up in my life many years ago. It's changed how I live and how I work, and I'm on a constant journey to to better understand how to manage our own energy as humans mm-hmm. for performance, for productivity, for quality of life, for resiliency, mm-hmm. you name it, right? And, and that there was an obvious, you saw that connection point early. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you could talk a little bit about because horses are prey animals, yes. why managing their energy is so critical? And then we yeah. could play a little bit with, you know, the little pieces that they can reinforce for us. Yeah. And I think I'll also say like, before I even met you, being a, a leader in my own, like running a business and having staff, um, I had to learn that, especially taking on this place. Right. And my horses were my greatest teachers of, cause depletion mm-hmm. burnout is a thing. Yeah. And I used to cycle through that you know, pretty significantly. So that's sort of where, even before I met you, like that was kind of one of the big teaching I got from them. Um, so as a prey animal, they have to be efficient with their energy output because if they were, I always say this as wasteful as we are, (laughs) um, that's a dead horse in the wild. So they, if they need to have the energy that if a predator came into their environment and they have to run for their lives for survival, they need to have those energy reserves. So if they were spending all day depleting themselves and not managing that, that's a dead horse. And so for them, it's survival. Yeah. You know, for us, it's not survival. However, we know it, it actually is very detrimental, mm-hmm. you know. And so there's also that, I think, especially around the leadership piece, um, they have to take care of themselves as individuals first. Yeah. Because an individual horse that is depleted will actually attract a predator to the herd. Mm. So it's sort of the opposite how we extend self-sacrifice and we think it's in service of right but that's another thing i learned with the horses it's like sacrificing yourself as a leader is actually creating vulnerability for Mm. the rest of the community um and so they so they don't just output energy for no reason so there's a lot of and also letting their system tell them you know, like we can go out there and we have a couple times and you see some horses are grazing or some horses are resting or some yeah. are lying down. And so they're really in tune with like, what does their system need and giving them what that is. Mm-hmm. And then I think also just from that discernment piece, like we'll go out when we first come out and they look at us and they're discerning, like, yeah. is this a threat? Right. And if it's not a threat, then I just go back to grazing and I'm not worried about it. And so that's another way it's like, like what you talk about with physical, emotional, mental, spiritual horses have the same. So there's that, you know, mental, let's say output of them. If they just were scanning environment all the time or worrying about what's going to happen in 10 minutes or what happened five minutes ago, that's depleting. So they'll read, you know, what's in my space now. It's not a threat. Go back to what I was doing. So they have, I think their recovery time is a lot quicker. Yeah. And also, I think just observing how horses operate very efficiently can help us look at where we're not efficient and how do we adjust to the best of our abilities being human. Because I always say horses, we can't completely be like a horse because we have an ego. Our system's completely different. Um, But we can learn that and just be aware of where do we deplete. 
based on also how we see horses exist around you know some of those let's say trigger points yeah and their response and recovery to them so here's one i'm going to push you on something because mm-hmm. because i i remember having this thought somewhere months ago it's mm-hmm. like okay this is kind of cool there's some analogies we can make we can get some lessons from horses but they're horses yeah. and we're humans mm-hmm. why would we be paying attention like mm-hmm. why why are we watching them? Because I, mm-hmm. I know when I'm out here doing it, I feel yeah. it. And and it is, like I said, it's palpable, mm-hmm. it's clean, it's clear, it's practical. Mm-hmm. But for for those skeptics, yeah. and if you're a really big skeptic, well, yeah. <laughs> carry on. Right. It's not yours or my job to convince them. Right. But yeah. yeah, maybe you could just light a little spark into that. Like, yeah. why would we pay attention to yeah. Well, so I was, I think I was talking about this last night in our conversation because they're not dysfunctional. So humans are, we know, varying degrees of dysfunction. And we see that, you probably see that in the culture of, you know, corporate or team or leadership. Just so, a little bit. <laughs> exactly. So it's not like, let me go uh, work on my dysfunction by going into another dysfunctional environment. Horses being as prey do not exist in any of this dysfunction that humans do. Mm. So if we're trying to have an experience where there's no dysfunction, you find it with the horses because mm. they don't have that. And so it's really hard for us to, I think, work on some of that dysfunction or maybe, you know, turn it down from 10 degrees to two degrees. Right. And do that by learning from another dysfunctional human system. Mm-hmm. So... I think that's part of the benefit. It's like coming to a system where that dysfunction doesn't exist. I'm going to lose all my coaching clients now. Yeah. You realize, right? I'm a dysfunctional human well, no, that's being hired to help other right. dysfunctional humans. Varying degrees, right? <laughs> but it just, it just gives, because I think especially if you talk about like moving from an intellectual concept, so we can talk about stuff, right. but how does that actually feel? Mm-hmm. What does it feel like to be in an environment where we're not depleting and burning out and hustling I don't even know my system doesn't even know what that feels like so going into a herd of horses the way that we've created this space well then your nervous system gets it it's like oh this is what this feels like right and so that's that experiential piece of it and I'm not saying there's not places you can't go to get experiential learning that are not dysfunctional but I always say that we have to appreciate with humans there's always going to be a degree of dysfunction right you don't have to worry about that in a herd of horses. Right. Yeah. No, that's really well said. The, the, um, one of the, the big learnings for me early on, Hillary, was around the cleanliness and mm-hmm. clarity of their communication. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll attempt to... I'll give you my version of how I learned yeah. this, and then, and then please you know, backfill or enlighten further. But mm-hmm. it's this idea that you know, humans, we couch things, we kind of soft-pedal them. We, 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 we may be wanting to set a boundary, but we don't quite know, mm-hmm. so we're... And it's not, it's the opposite of clean and clear and concise. Yeah. It's kind of murky and muddled. And, and when we observe horses, they have this hierarchy in the herd. And so if horse A has hierarchy over horse B or dominance over mm-hmm. horse B, it will move into horse B's space and horse B just moves along. Yep. And there's no drama. There's no hurt feelings. There's mm-hmm. no circling back and mm-hmm. talking around the water cooler of what kind of BS is this. So mm-hmm. it's the... The communication is clean and clear, but then it's over. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that when I first ask you, it's like, well, why don't horses dwell on things? Mm-hmm. You know, well, they don't have ego like humans. And that's a waste of energy. Correct, yeah. 
they're dead if yeah. they dwelled on every time they got moved by another horse or another horse pinned its ears back at them and why did they do that yeah. think about how many times as humans we're dwelling on something that happened in the past yeah. that's draining our energy so for them it's purely it's truly life or death or mm-hmm. could be mm-hmm. i think because we don't feel that obvious risk yeah. to to wasting our energy but it doesn't mean there isn't a cost Correct. right yeah yeah, and anything around that that, you, that you've learned that you can just sort of expand on? Because I think it's a, one of the really big, obvious learnings that they can share for us. Yeah, like around the boundaries. Yeah, ba- yeah. Boundaries, boundaries, how they set boundaries, and, yeah. and the difference between how horses do it and humans do it. Well, and I think this is another perfect example of like, I'm not going to go to another human to learn boundaries. Right. Because we're highly, as a society, we're highly dysfunctional with boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so again, it's really hard to... What's a modeling of that? Mm. Where are we going to get that? Right. So, and yeah, I think they're every, everything the horses are doing and how they exist is always going to come back to them as prey animals. It also, but I think again, it brings that awareness of, of like, so, so especially when we talk about boundaries, we don't even know how much energy we're depleting mm-hmm. around that, mm-hmm. you know, and even if, even the beforehand. So if you think about a leader, yeah. I have this experience. I have staff. Crap, I have to have a conversation with my staff around this boundary. Oh, my God. I don't want to hurt their feelings. How am I going to do this? Like, what is going to be a way I'm going to do this? It's not going to hurt their feelings. And then there's a lot mm-hmm. that goes into that. I think where I've observed with horses and even in our experience with them and how you see them do it, and you're right, it is clean. It's just they're, they understand how their culture and her dynamics are. And so they don't have to pack all that worry and baggage around it. But I think one of the things I've learned and I think where people learn is that awareness of where we do even carry that around something We're, like boundaries. Right. I don't think, I didn't know necessarily how much I depleted. Um, so when you see an example of how they set that with each other, how they hold space or orient themselves around space, I think that's another example of like, oh, this is what it feels like to be responsible for my own boundary mm-hmm. and not responsible for somebody else's. Right. And, oh, I didn't even realize that I was holding so much around that or that I was expecting maybe somebody else to set it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that a lot of that awareness comes up where I think we don't even realize that we're consuming or spending or outputting or worrying and I think sometimes that gets observed when we're out there to see how they do it or, you know, our interactions with coming close to them. It's like, oh, I had no idea. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But the meter is always running on us yeah. in terms of we, we are yeah. depleting ourselves. Yeah. Um, but it helps, I think, to kind of give people an example of like, how do we integrate that learning? Um, and I can talk about clients and I can also talk about for me personally, when I notice myself doing that, I think of like, oh, this is depleting me. And mm. now I can stop the behavior because I'm aware of it. Right, so you have a connection between, right. okay, I'm, I'm grinding on this, I'm chewing on it, I'm not really taking action, yeah. and, and it is, it's depleting my energy. So you, you yeah. can actually make a, a cognitive connection yes. and, and have a model, yes. right, to say, okay, I know what clean looks like, right? right? Because right. chief showed me or yeah. pony showed me. Or... And how good it feels to be in clean, you know? And I think that that's the thing as humans too. It's like... And I don't know if this is your experience working with, you know, leaders or even in your own self. Um, but we, we make up a lot about the outcome mm-hmm. without realizing the benefit 
And so when you have an experience of clean, but also the impact of the clean, then it, I think it, it makes it easier for us to be maybe in the discomfort of where we're like to change the behavior yeah. because we, because we know it's going to be better this way yeah. because I've experienced something that's better. So I think that helps too, if we're talking about like, you know, the behavior that will change maybe after an interaction with a horse or what we learn. I think there's, there's that cognitive understanding, but then we're like, and I know that this gets created when I do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the sort of the compounding wisdom, yes. right? Of, yes. of learning something. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other cool things, now maybe you could just talk a little bit about your, your herd, because yeah. I know yesterday I referred to them mistakenly as wild horses, <laughs> because they seem, yeah. Yeah. they're living. What's unique about, about yeah. the horses here compared to how most people would have interacted with horses in their life? Yeah. Um, so I think the thing that is really important for me, along with the human learning, is the environment I give to my horses. And I think there's actually a lot of mirroring around how people have chosen to have horses and what we do to each other as humans so horses as prey are meant to live in herds meant to maybe not like a herd of 22 but like (laughs) you know have buddies they're social like we are and they rely on each other for safety right you know a a sole horse in the wild is a dead horse um so they need each other for safety but the same as we do they have friendships they have bonds there's mm. affection mm. so for their you know um well-being same as people we need to have a herd and so an environment where they can live with other horses is important um they're also grazers um and so having free choice hay or pasture and where they can move their digestive system. Mm. So they're not meant to like have people, we have, you know, you breakfast, lunch, and dinner at this time. Right. That's not how their digestive system works as a prey animal, right? right. They don't have the same cycle as humans do. Um, and so they're able to, to graze and then move. Um, they live about on, I usually say 40 to 50 acres at Liberty. And that would be their most purest environment if we were to create that in a domestic situation. So they're not quote-unquote wild horses, but they live as close to what they would in their natural environment, which I think for us to get the full benefit of learning from horses is that they're kept that way. Yeah, so, so if they're in a, a four-by-eight stall yeah. or whatever uh, with a saddle on them being ridden whether they right. want to or not, we're maybe not getting the most natural no. version of a of the animal. No, and also I think for safety purposes too, you know, <clears throat> and, and that's the thing that um, is part of the experience here. It's not, horses aren't collateral for our learning. It's there are partners in our learning. And so we want to create an environment where they're respected and they get choice and we're not putting them in a situation that's going to be detrimental Mm -hmm. to them for the sake of our learning Um, and so having them be at liberty where we're coming into their environment and they get to choose that's the most benefit to them too and as you've experienced like it's actually more powerful because it's not like i'm manipulating it for people Mm -hmm. right it's Mm -hmm. like how cool is it when you come out there and somebody chooses you at their own, you know, they don't, they don't have to come over and interact with you. They're choosing it. That's pretty special. Yeah. It's yeah. one, I think it's one of the most unique things that mm-hmm. you've created here is this environment where the horses, I mean, a lot of them are later in life. Yep. Most of them are rescues mm-hmm. and it's like, they've got this new purpose yep. and, and you can see them and not all, if we talk about 22 or mm-hmm. 24 in the main herd, mm-hmm. not all of them are as interested in, in being active participants but 
the majority of them are mm-hmm. where, where they they like their role as coaches or yeah. teachers or learning partners with yeah. us and you can see it you can see their enthusiasm and energy and it and it's absolutely fascinating mm-hmm. um you know, I want to just pull the thread a bit on that idea of them, how they operate as a herd, because mm-hmm. you and I talk often about team dynamics, yeah. right? And when we have conversations about leadership and um, there's some really cool lessons when we watch them operate. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, a couple of them I'll just draw the listeners attention to, and then maybe you can, mm-hmm. you can add a little background to it, but, you know, watching the different roles that they play and, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's a, in the herd, there's a lead mayor and a lead gelding mm-hmm. and just to watch them they don't necessarily behave like humans would assume yeah. the lead horse. I mean, you know, they're not puffing up their chest and, mm-hmm. you know, stomping their feet and pushing mm-hmm. Evan around all the time. Mm-hmm. They take rest. Mm-hmm. When they take rest, they do it apologet- unapologetically. Um, they sometimes want to be on their own mm-hmm. and they just create a space and a boundary around them and people leave them alone. People, other horses, other horses leave yeah. their friends, leave them alone. And, and I think there's so many cool messages there where, um, we went out yesterday, it was a beautiful sunny day, and there were probably four or five horses laying down in the sun, two or three of them sleeping. Mm-hmm. Now, as prey animals laying down, you've taught me that's their most vulnerable position. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we do is we see other horses standing around them in what we call sentinel mm-hmm. and sort of like on guard. And it's basically supporting or honoring, like, okay, if you're going to take rest, I'm going to be, a, it's my watch. Mm-hmm. So, so instead of you know, me judging you for taking rest or whispering to someone else, well, she can't handle it. She's got to take a break. I mean, they're, it's part of the fabric of how they mm-hmm. operate and, it, and it's honored. And to me, that's, that's one of those things that we can really learn from them. Because you think about in the workplace, everyone works hard. Everyone wants to yeah. succeed. And, and yet, how do we support those who want to take rest, right. who, who want some recovery or some space? Maybe mm-hmm. you're in, more introverted by nature and you want quiet time mm-hmm. in your office to read a book. Mm-hmm. Imagine mm-hmm. if the people around you actually yeah. supported you in that and made, helped you become successful. Um, any other big pieces you, you, I mean, obviously there's others. What would you bring to our attention around the dynamics and herds that yeah. we can learn? Uh, well, from- and I think, I think the other, like how each herd is unique in how they hold their leadership. And I think that like, actually my favorite thing to do actually is when I do have a corporate team up here and I do and observe the herd and I Mm. ask them to tell me who the lead horses they think they are. And it's fascinating. And I think it cultivates this conversation of what we recognize as leaders and leadership. And I think for people maybe that don't have that typical, I'm not an alpha, for example, or, mm-hmm. or we've created a leader means alpha, mm-hmm. and this is what an alpha means. Right. And you see a range of leadership roles and also a different way horses hold hierarchy. It, it doesn't mean the horses that are at the bottom of the hierarchy are losers, right? <laughs> right. Or they have nothing to contribute. Right. Not every horse wants to be a lead horse, just like not every person wants to be a CEO, mm-hmm. right? But there's also different styles of leadership. And so you see a range of impactful leadership in all sizes and forms. And I think for people to see themselves in a horse, that there may be something in them that they think is a weakness or it's not leadership, Mm -hmm. to see it mirrored in one of those horses in a herd, I think has their greater appreciation for themselves of, oh, here's my style and contribution. And I don't have to you know, try to become something I'm not in right. order to be a leader. Right. And so I think that that's really impactful is mm. to seeing the different forms and expressions of leadership in a herd and how they empower each other in that. 
There's yeah. no less than. Yeah. 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 And it's a, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Well, you know, I, I think for today we should probably prepare yeah. to wrap this up. I, <laughs> I know you and I, we have other work to do today and, um, I, I'm really excited that you're able to join me. I have a feeling this won't be our last one mm-hmm. together. Um, you know, and I should make mention that you, you bought this 80 acre property, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a single woman in her thirties, like really like, I mean, epitomizing someone who's following their dream and mm-hmm. their calling and their passion. And so you continue to inspire me. This is, you know, definitely taken me out of my comfort zone. Um, which, you know, is, <laughs> I have moments of, you know, there's a big year, right? Like starting the podcast and, um, we're going to be doing retreats here. You mm-hmm. and I have partnered and I'm going to be inviting, um, executive clients up. I'm doing a couple sort of open retreats. I'm going to bring um, intact leadership teams up here and and some individual coaching clients who, mm-hmm. who want to really go deep on their leadership in this environment. And so those people will get to meet you. And, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm so grateful. And you, you have a podcast or two going. Anything you want to mention about uh, if people want to go deeper into yeah. following? Yeah, I mean, if people are interested and, um, you know, I always say like I, I kind of joke my flavor is a little bit more woo, you know, <laughs> and, and my but I, I what I will say is I, I think my one of my missions is to bring the horses into a lot of different mediums. And so to be able to have someone like you who's bridging it into... I'm a little less woo. Yeah, but I think it's good because I think it exposes more people to this work and that, you know, what what we can learn from horses. And so I think that that's an extension of, you know, my contribution there. So I appreciate you bringing it to your, you know, your people. Um, but if people are interested in learning, I guess, more about me, um, depending on where you are on social media, Hillary Epona on Instagram... Um, HillarySchneider.com is my personal website. And then you can also see our facility website on EponaRise.com. And then my podcast is Women Who Run With Horses. And then we also have a horse medicine leadership that talks a little bit more of like the horse partnership piece for those that are interested. Is that all yeah. you're doing? I, right. I, I've been teasing you this week about, <laughs> about being the queen of content. And I have scaled down. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you continue to inspire me and I, I want to thank you for, mm-hmm. for trusting me and, and inviting me into this world. It's, it's been transformational. I, I feel like I, I know, like I'm just scratching the surface mm-hmm. on, on what I'm learning and what I can do, but I obviously I'm energized by it and and thank you again for, um, for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. All right. Yeah. The Real Leadership Podcast is produced by Chris Obst Leadership and Alive Creative Services. Thank you for listening.